Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. Welcome you to our broadcast today, and I hope and pray that your Christmas season has been one that has been exceptionally blessed. I pray that you got to focus on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ into the world. I pray that you thought about that little baby who was Lord from the moment of his birth, born the King of Angels. In his deity, he is King of creation, and in his humanity, he is the Son of David who sits upon David's throne. I hope that your family got to talk a little bit about the nativity of Christ, that baby who would grow up into the man who would die upon the cross and save us from our sins. And I hope and pray that you had great fellowship with your family and with folks in your local church. Today we're going to continue the message that we began sharing with you on the broadcast last week, entitled, The Terms of Christ's Coming. 
The portion of the message that we aired last week focused on the various Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the seed that crushes the head of the serpent. He's Shiloh who should come. He is that prophet in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord would raise up like unto Moses. Today, the emphasis will be on more passages from the Old Testament, the fact that he's wonderful, the counselor, the prince of peace, etc. And then lastly, we will end this message in the New Testament, looking at some of the sweet words that are used to describe our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is today's message, part two of the terms of Christ's coming. Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Which, as Matthew includes, being interpreted is what? God with us. God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. And this is a sign. A sign of what? A sign that God is going to bring peace. A sign that the Savior has come. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we sang this already today. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Notice a child is born, but a son is given. For God so loved that he gave his son. Jesus did not become the son of God at incarnation. That's a heresy. Jesus is God's eternal son for eternity. Eternally the Son of God, but this Son is given. This Son is given of God. A child is born, a Son is given. The child is born because God gave His Son, His only begotten Son, that we would be saved. The government shall be upon His shoulder. You read the terms of this statement. The government shall be upon His shoulder. What do we read in the Genesis prophecy? We read about a scepter departing from Judah and being possessed by Shiloh. A scepter departs from Judah, and the people gather unto Shiloh, unto peace. There is rule. In these passages that we consider, there's a lot of rule and reign and authority and judgment. A son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Now, we use that word so lightly today. Well, I heard some wonderful news, but wonderful means full of wonder. Powerful means full of power. Careful means full of care. That's why Paul says be careful for nothing. To us, we use these words so lightly and loosely that they don't have the weight they had. Wonderful means that people will stand and wonder to the extent that they are full of wonder and amazement because of what they see in this son that is given, this child that is born. Full of wonder. His name shall be called Wonderful. Christ ought to make us wonder. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Counselor, one who gives counsel. You know, this has been pointed out before, and and it's worth being pointed out again, but people go everywhere in the world for advice except to Christ. He is our counselor. He's the one we ought to be asking about things that we experience, troubles that we have. The first place we go is to Christ, Counselor, the Mighty God. He'll be called the Mighty God because He is the Mighty God. Do you understand? To call somebody God who is not is blasphemy. But it's not blasphemy. 
God says this is going to happen. The child that is born, the son that is given, is the mighty God. Emmanuel, God incarnate. The everlasting father. He called the everlasting father because to know the son is to know the father. To know the father is to know the son. If you've seen the son, you've seen the father. No man goes to the father except through the son. No man comes to the son except they be drawn of the father. There's no separating father from son, even though they are two persons of the Godhead, the three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Prince of Peace. Literally, Shiloh, Tranquility, the Prince of Peace, who rules in a new Jerusalem, Salem literally meaning peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Micah 5.2, another passage, and again, there are Countless passages of Scripture that we could quote and bring to your attention today. In the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, we read that he would be born into the world in Bethlehem, Ephratah. Now, what's interesting about this, this Bethlehem, this is a city of David. Jesus was a son of David. Bethlehem, as we emphasize as we've already talked about the birth of Christ in this series, is not a town that you think of as a vacation destination. Nobody in that day would say, you know what, we really want to go have a good time. Let's go to Bethlehem. It's little among the nations. It's an insignificant town in the minds of other people. Thou Bethlehem Ephratah. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of he shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Ruler, reign, authority. Shiloh has a scepter. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Isaiah. He'll be ruler in Israel. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He sits upon David's throne even today. And he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet, as Paul says. He must reign. He's reigning now. If we're waiting for Jesus to reign, we're mistaken. Jesus is reigning today. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. What is that telling us? That the eternal God is incarnate, born into the world in this little insignificant town of Bethlehem. We probably have in mind right now another Christmas carol we sing, and I in particular have played a lot this time of year, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It's a very soft, sweet, pretty Christmas carol. Out of Bethlehem would be born he that would rule, even whose goings have been from old, from everlasting. The eternal God is born into the world in Bethlehem. Ephratah is another term for Bethlehem, and they're used interchangeably in Scripture. If you wonder what that has reference to, Bethlehem Ephrata. This is also the place where Jacob's wife, Rachel, died. And that's noteworthy. We've been talking about the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on Wednesday night. Think about how dark of a place that was when Rachel dies there. Israel's chosen beloved wife. In this place where she dies... New life is born. I believe that's significant. This passage, Micah 5.2, was used by the scholars, as we already said, to find Christ's location when the wise men 
the Magi came from the east, from somewhere around Babylon, I presume, to come and to worship him at his birth. Again, it took them a while to get there. I don't think they ran into the shepherds at the stable. This is probably a year and a half, two-year-old Jesus that they find still here in Bethlehem. But they use this passage to define where he would be. The scholars do, and the wise men, they go and they bring him gold and frankincense and myrrh. You notice I didn't, if I remember correctly, call them the three wise men. There's no specificity as to how many wise men there are in Scripture. The reason people say three wise men is because they came bearing three gifts. But there could have been two wise men or ten wise men. We, we don't know. They just brought three types of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, great value. And it probably financed their fleeing from the wrath of King Herod, the wrath of Satan influencing King Herod to Egypt, to stay in Egypt out of his dominion and authority until he dies, and then they go back and they go to Nazareth. They use that passage to identify where he would be born. There are so many more details about his birth and his life and his death than we could fit into a single message, but I want now to return to that statement that I began with, the terms of Christ's coming. It was known that Christ was going to come into the world. From the very beginning of biblical history, all through human history, Christ is going to be born. Christ is coming. He's going to rule. He's going to save. He's bringing peace. He's bringing deliverance. So as we think about the terms of his coming, what I want to do now is to just leave you with a list of words that describe his first coming. And I want you to think on these words the rest of this day and the rest of this week as you think about the incarnation. What sort of an incarnation? You know, God could have sent his son into the world to just totally obliterate humankind for their wickedness, their sinfulness, and cast us all in the lake of fire, but that's not the purpose of the first coming of Christ. Now, the second coming of Christ will be one in which he's the judge of the quick and the dead. And to those who are his enemies, there will be judgment. He's endured them with much long suffering throughout their lives and for, yea, thousands of years. But in this first advent of Christ, the message is consistently one of joy and peace and deliverance and comfort. The terms, the words, we usually use that. If you ask the question, what are the terms? Usually you mean the terms of an agreement, right? So I want this to kind of get your attention at the end of a message and stick with you. What are the terms? I want to use this in a different way, not thinking about the terms of a legal contract, but the words that the Bible uses to describe, the terms that it uses to describe his birth. Find a couple of these in the book of John chapter 1 and verse 14. We considered John chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago, and admittedly, this is not a passage of Scripture that's commonly used in December, particularly December 25th or the Sunday before Christmas when pastors usually preach a message that's about the Incarnation. The Word was made flesh. The Word that was with God was God and yet was with God. By Him were all things made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. First word we want to consider. 
and we beheld his glory. Now, Jesus didn't live a very glorious life, did he? But John says we beheld his glory. Now, there would be a time in John's life when Jesus is transfigured before him. John saw some glory of Christ that the other apostles didn't see. Peter, James, and John saw some glory. You wouldn't think of a baby being born in a stable because the inn or the guest room has no room in it, and so they go to the barn, and he's born into the barn. He's placed into a feeding trough, the bread of life there in a feeding trough. You wouldn't think of that as glorious, would you? It's the most humble of births. No room for you. He was poor. When he began his personal ministry and he went around preaching the gospel, he was homeless. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You and I wouldn't consider that glorious. Glory, from a human perspective, it's living like a rock star. Driving an expensive car, living in an expensive home, with an expensive phone, expensive clothes, expensive jewelry. You wouldn't think of the life of Jesus as glorious, but it was. Glorified God, and by his death, he was glorified. John, as I already said, at one time in Jesus' life, saw his glory as Jesus was transfigured before him, and Jesus was glowing. Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration saw him transfigured. And they're speaking with him, or Moses and Elijah. They're having a conversation about what's about to take place in his life. And these three guys had fallen asleep, as Peter, James, and John so often do. They beheld his glory. This word, glory, the Greek word can mean brightness. Shining, the stars have a glory to them. But it also means magnificence. Magnificence and exaltation. Magnificence and exaltation. Number two from this passage. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace. His coming is a manifestation of God's grace He saved his people from their sins by grace. Salvation is undeniably in Scripture by grace. Salvation is by grace. And if it be of grace, it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. So if you say, well, salvation is by grace, but you've got to do this and that, or you've got to keep doing this, or you've got to keep doing that, then you don't understand the definition of the word grace, according to Paul in Romans chapter 11. If it's by grace, it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If it's by works and it has grace, it's no more works. These are mutually exclusive concepts in the Word of God, and Bible writers are so very clear that salvation is by grace, and Jesus is full of it. Jesus is full of the substance by which we are saved. He's full of grace. In fact, jump down with your eyes in this passage, verse 16, of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Now that passage ought to make you just sit and scratch your head and wonder. We like to think of, I've received a product for a currency. Put it in those terms. The currency that's paid for everything that you get that is grace, is grace. Salvation is completely of God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Truth. Jesus' coming is one of truth. He is truth personified. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the embodiment 
of truth. He is complete truth. In fact, regarding his incarnation, there was no guile or deceit in his mouth. Jesus is truth personified. Luke chapter 2. A few more terms. Beginning in verse 8, this is directly after the birth of Christ. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds are keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Remember, glory can mean exaltation. Glory can also mean glowing. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. It starts looking like daylight when it is at night. You ever see a lightning strike so bright that all of a sudden, for just a little moment, it's like you're in the middle of day? I imagine this is what that looked like in their immediate surroundings. Some have wondered if this is the star that the wise men saw. The angel says unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just Jews, but all types of people, all nations, all kindreds, all tongues. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a feeding trough. And we say manger seen and we mean the stable, but manger was literally the trough. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Now this one angel says those things, fear not, I bring unto you good tidings. We'll comment on these words in a minute. But as this happens... All of a sudden, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, millions perhaps of angels appear that were invisible moments before, but now they're here and they're praising God. Their creator, their Lord, their ruler is incarnate as a human baby laying in a feeding trough and they are marveling. And these angels, they praise God And they say, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. These angels disappear. These shepherds make haste. They hurry to Christ. They find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they make known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Terms. What terms are used? First of all, this angel says, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This word, good tidings, comes from the same Greek word that translates evangelism. I bring you evangelism. What is evangelism? Evangelism is good news. If evangelism is presented as bad news, then evangelism hasn't actually happened. To be evangelistic means the news is good. What is the news? That Jesus came and brought salvation to the people of God. That's biblical evangelism. Good tidings. The news is good. If I brought you news that, you know, if you live a good enough life, maybe you could go to heaven one day. Keep trying. Try really hard. That's not good news to me. Is that good news to you? I know me and I know you, and that's not good news. But the message is that salvation is a reality to the people of God. Jesus is Savior. The name means Savior. The name above all names means Savior. Good tidings. Evangelism. A good message. 
of great joy. The word joy is defined as great happiness, great happiness, and this is a great joy. If joy means great happiness and this is a great joy, what does that mean of the level of joy that people should experience at the news of this and the reality of this? If I look like I've been baptized in vinegar or embalming fluid, I need to check my heart. Christianity is a joyful thing. If I'm always bitter and miserable and complainy and gripey and all of the other words you want to punch in the end of this sentence, then something's wrong with my Christianity because it's a message of joy. I don't understand it if I'm not happy. Sometimes I'm not happy. And the problem is with me. Good tidings of great joy for all people, all types of people. As the angels speak, they say, glory to God in the highest. Glory shines on them, shone on them. And then you have glory to God in the highest being spoken of them. On earth, what's our next term? Peace. On earth, peace. Now, if you look around this world, do you think this is a very peaceful place? No. If I thought Jesus came to bring some wrap hands around the world singing kumbaya, sort of utopia, I would be very disappointed. But that's not the sort of peace that Jesus brings. Jesus brings peace between you as a sinner and the God that you offended. Peace on earth, true peace. Jesus has brought peace between you and God. You are reconciled. You have been reconciled. Now, you and I have a peace that passeth all understanding because of what we know about Christ, but ultimately there is peace that we anticipate coming in the new earth, in the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That is utopia. That is ultimate peace forevermore as we are with God for all of eternity. Peace on earth, good will towards men. This goodwill towards men literally means benevolence and good intent. As we bring our thoughts today to a close, what do those shepherds do with this information? The same thing that everybody else that had an encounter with Christ did with the information. They went and they blazed it abroad. What do I want you to do with this information? I want you to go and I want you to blaze it abroad. That good news has come. Jesus has brought salvation. And we have peace and we have joy because of what Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your Son into the world. Thank you for these thoughts from Scripture. Thank you for telling of His coming for thousands of years. Thank you for sending Him to die for us, to do what we could not do. Thank you, Lord, that the message that you have for us is fear not, that there are glad tidings, good tidings of great joy. Thank you, Lord, that the message that we have is peace to God's people. In a world full of violence, in a world full of division and dispute and animosity and hate and pain, in the midst of all of this, we have peace with you because of what your Son did for us. And we look forward to his second advent, his second coming that we now await, in which we will have peace with you for all of eternity. We pray this in your Son's name and we say together. Amen.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at marchtozion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.